This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Welcome to Roar to Win. This is Michelle Nagel. And today I have as my guest, Julie Beckerman who helps individuals learn to navigate and redefine their relationships through the divorce and co-parenting process, specializing in high-conflict situations. She's a certified professional coach from the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching and a certified career and development counselor from New New York University. She studied... IO Psychology at Teachers College at Columbia University, has experience and training in dialectic behavior therapy, effective communication and mindfulness techniques with a background working in business and human resources, and extensive experience dealing with loss and addiction. So welcome, Julie. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us today. So um, so that's quite... Um, a challenging field, I would imagine, to help people navigate and redefine their relationships through the divorce and co-parenting process. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm sure there are more and more people who are in need of services like that. So why do people need your help in redefining their relationships through divorce and co-parenting? Um, so in the uh, divorce and co-parenting process, um, what happens is you're, you're ending one relationship but you have to kind of recreate that relationship because you have kids, right? So when you end a relationship, right, the relationship, uh, rightfully so, you're disconnecting, right? It's ending. You want to like unhook from that person. But for the sake of your kids, you now need to kind of reforge how you're going to move forward with that person in your children's best interest. So it's like there's conflict inherent in that moving forward uh, in, in and of itself. And that's like really granular detail. How do you kind of separate from somebody and reconnect with them at the same time uh, in your child's best interest? Like, where do I cut off from you? And where do I connect with you? And, you know, how do I do that? And what's the right way? And what's going to benefit our kids? And, um, and all of this is happening during this like really high intense emotional transition during a time when your whole life is changing. Uh, And that's, you know, that's a lot for anybody. That's really granular in the data details um, kind of stuff. And, you know, while you have all this other stuff going on. So I don't know how anybody can do that without help. So that's, I think that's why people need help. Okay. So um, what is best for the kids as far as relationships with their parents? Um, You know, there's, Legally, what the law will say is that it is going to always be in your children's best interest to have some kind of relationship with both their parents. Um, And at the same time, that relationship should be as free of conflict as possible. However, that's sort of the ideal, and that ideal is very varied. So how do we kind of take all the variations that exist around that and help it to fit that ideal in some kind of way. How do we give kids some relationship with both of their parents in as best a way as possible with as little conflict as possible? And that's the goal, given Mm -hmm. 
all of the variations and all of the unique ways that we show up in the world. Um, right, yeah. and the, and the conflict doesn't just ex doesn't just happen when the parents are face to face either. The conflict continues when one parent is bad mouthing the other one. I so. think that's so. That's such a great point, right? Because the conflict is is almost right. Is a lot of times not when the parents are face to face. The conflict is happening sort of in the undercurrent and the tone that's sort of existing around the whole, the whole experience. So it's a really, right. yeah. So, so why is it so important for kids to have a relationship with both parents, do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, this is pure opinion, but I think, you know, look, we, everybody, everybody wants to know who they are and where they come from, right? And I think even um, in the absence of our parents were sort of defined by that absence. Um, I have, you know, I have a really good friend of mine who was raised by her mother. Um, she never really met her father. And she actually, we were just talking about this. You know, she said to me that for the longest time, she truly believed that the fact that she never met her father, um, like had no impact on her. Um, and now, you know, later on in life, you know, she's middle-aged, she's a mom herself. It's like the realization that even now, what an impact not having her father in her life has had. And, you know, that was, it wasn't really a divorce situation. He just wasn't around, but you never know what the relationship or lack of relationship or, you know, presence or absence uh, will impact you or not impact you or how it will impact you because life is long. Mm -hmm. And these are, so, um, you know, I think we, we just, this is what you have. This is where you come from and who we are is really, you know, what else can we, what else could be more important than, than knowing ourselves? Right. And when we are busy bad mouthing the other parent, we're actually attacking the child because they're half, half of each. Yes. And this is a really, we, I think we hear that a lot, um, but it's a very difficult, again, I think it's really granular in terms of like how that really shows up. Mm -hmm. um, because the bad mouthing is actually coming from a place of trying to protect. And it's really difficult when you've had a relationship with your ex where your ex has done things that have hurt you. And now you're thinking, well, if that hurt me, how am I going to send my child, right, who's little and vulnerable to this person? And how are they going to possibly protect themselves? So right. we, we want to protect our kids and warn them and show them like, you know, these are things that are scary and you, you know, and, and the law says, no, 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 you have to send your kid there because that's their parent. And now we're, we feel very victim. Um, but ultimately I think the, the idea of this is that our children um, are not necessarily experiencing things the way we do just because those things hurt us doesn't necessarily mean that that's their experience of it. And um, that is very, this is where it gets really difficult. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the bad mouthing doesn't necessarily come from a bad place. It comes mm -hmm. from a protective place. And so that's also a conflict that's inherent in this that needs to get worked out. So um, what makes a situation into a high conflict situation? Um, so there's, uh, it's actually, there's, Four factors. Um, so there, uh, there's conflict, 
in the world and conflict exists for everybody, right? You don't really walk through the human experience without running into conflict. And if you do, then you're sort of avoiding conflict and there's something that's as a different issue. Um, so there's conflict, which is very normal, very healthy, right? Then there's high conflict, uh, which can be um, sort of just lots of disagreements around how, what the resolution should look like. And then there are high conflict behaviors. Um, and there are four, four sort of patterns of behavior that we would see in, with someone who has sort of like what we would term a high conflict personality. And there's, of those four, there's sort of one, like the biggest red flag of the red flags um, that, that uh, distinguishes them all. So I can uh, explain what those are. Um, the first of a high of, of high conflict, and uh, let me just back up for a second. So the difference between high conflict, um, just conflict and high conflict is, as opposed to what you're arguing about, it's that the way you deal with conflict is really contributing to the conflict overall. So it's not really about what, what you're fighting, it's like how you fight creates more conflict. Mm-hmm. And that's really what causes so much high conflict and what we're talking about when we talk about like a high conflict personality. So those four things, one is this all or nothing black and white thinking, win-lose. Um, and that looks something like uh, the person who has the high conflict personality or the high conflict tendencies is like, I'm good, you're bad. I win because you lose, right? So it's like cookies in the cookie jar, I'm going to take them all because I have to have everything kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The second element is gonna be a lot of like emotion dysregulation, inability to manage around triggers, right? So lots of like tantrum-y types of behaviors, uh, drama, histrionics. Um, The third would be extreme behaviors. So, you know, in a divorce case, we're going to see a lot of um, filings in court, uh, stalking behaviors, uh, you know, emptying of bank accounts, um, just lots of those, uh, just the extreme kinds of behaviors that don't really match the circumstances. Um, and now the fourth one, and this is really the key that the, the red flag of the red flags is the preoccupation with blame. So the inability uh, to take ownership or responsibility. So why that's the key is the first three are, we can kind of see as stress responses for anybody who might just not have a lot of emotion management techniques if they're going through a lot of stress. But if you have that ability to step back and take ownership, then you have the self-awareness to make some changes and move forward and grow. preoccupation with blame sort of puts that block where it's always everybody's fault. And then that, that sort of creates that ongoing high conflict personality element. Yeah. Um, and that can go on even if they're not um, overtly creating problems for you. It can just be the whole thing is your fault regardless of whatever you say, whatever you do, it's all your fault. That's, uh, you know, like they have no responsibility for it at all. And that in itself causes conflict. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Cause you know, when you have co 
conflict, there's two people, you can't really fight with yourself, although inner conflict, right? But if you need to resolve something, um, you really do need the other person to work it out. And it's, it becomes, you know, virtually impossible then to get things resolved. And in a co-parenting situation, right now, in terms of dealing with things with your kids, this becomes, it becomes a nightmare. The other piece of this that I think gets interesting, um, and I, is the black and white thinking, win or lose, all or nothing, combined with this preoccupation with blame. So if they're all good and you're all bad, and now you're to blame, with these extreme behaviors, what happens is you're bad. So that's now a justification for these extreme behaviors and for you being blamed, which can get actually really dangerous for mm -hmm. the person who is now the target because you're deserving of all of these things that they're doing. Right. Um, and that's why this becomes almost epidemic-like for some people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I know of an individual who 25 years ago-ish, something like that, um, voluntarily signed his children away, gave up all, all parental rights to them, and, um, and the children were adopted by somebody else. And uh, a friend of mine was just bumped into him the other day and said, oh, hi, how are you? and asked, said, how are your kids? And was talking about the kids that he had kind of taken responsibility for when he married his wife, his, his new wife. She had children. He, they have grandchildren together. And so it was kind of like, you know, asking about the family. And, and he said uh, something along the lines of like, oh, I haven't seen my kids for 25 years because she stole them from me. And it's like, wow, really? <laughs> yeah. that's not at all what happened what happened was he signed his rights away and you know just uh, what happened is he went to child protective services and said I'm signing my rights away to these children and the child protective services called the mom and said are you married and she's going well yeah and do you have kids and was, well yeah thinking all the time this is child protective services what's the problem you know and yeah. They said, uh, well, does your husband want to adopt these kids? And she says, well, yeah, that'd be great, except that the dad won't have any part of that. And uh, he said, actually, he just came and signed the kids away. And so in that instance, um, you know, the, the children were adopted. Everything was wonderful. But he still believes that it's her fault. And all these years later, so it's, it's amazing how long that can go on. So that fits right in with the, the yeah. podcast, which is uh, resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. So accountability is really, really important to this. Yeah. So we're going to kind of digress a little bit, Julie. How, come you got, how did you get started in this? Um, so I, I had gone through kind of my own personal situation. And, uh, you know, going through this, um, I was feeling very uh, trapped in my own situation. And we talk about resilience of like this belief that there's, you know, so going through this, there's a, a lot of feelings of like victim, you know, like I cannot believe, like, who do I talk to? <laughs> this mm -hmm. cannot be happening. And there's no way I'm living like this, you know, like I, I'm getting divorced and I just like, I want to have the next phase of my life, you know, I want to kind of move on, you know, no one goes into marriage expecting their marriage not to work, but this is what's happening. And now, okay. And it was like, 
And there's this kind of what I call blind spot in the in the divorce system. And it's kind of what I was referring to in the beginning of this ideal where, yes, we, your children are entitled to have the relationship with their parents. And I believe that inherently. And it's best that the conflict is brought to a minimum. And I believe that inherently. But what do you do when you can't make that happen? And I was just like, I, I felt really at a loss. And I'm kind of looking around me into the external environment. And like, there's just, there was just no, okay, that's what you do, but there was no how. How mm -hmm. do you do this? Right. And so I, I created it. I just had to, there was just, and, and I, this resilience um, element, I had this kind of belief that like the key to resiliency is flexibility. You know, what doesn't, what, what bends does not break. And, you know, I kind of just used all of these different things um, from my past. And, you know, you read my bio in the beginning. I have a lot of different, you know, uh, journey paths in my life that were challenges, but they gave me a lot of tools. And I was like, all right, go into your toolbox and use what you have. And it, it was working. Mm -hmm. It was working. And what I was being told to do did not fit. It wasn't working. So, you know, you know, there's this idea, like, you know, like I, I do what works. <laughs> like I'm a pragmatist that way mm -hmm. and it was working and I was seeing it working and I feel good and I feel better. And my daughter is thriving and I've been working with clients and helping and I'm seeing it work. So that's, that's why I did it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's great. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, so there's a, a lot of, um, in addition to the, the blaming that goes on, there's, there's also um, like covert and overt manipulation kind of a thing. So what are some of the common manipulation ta tactics that happen? Yeah. Okay. So this is a, a really important thing because, right, this is the how, right? So we know uh, a lot about like, okay, when we talk about divorce and co-parenting and um, we'll hear all the time, don't get into it with your ex. Everybody kind of hears that. We, don't, we know we don't want the conflict, but when you're in it, right, it's like, again, kind of also going back to that fear. We know we're not supposed to badmouth our exes and stuff, but when we're in that fear, it's like, okay, but we're also, our instinct as parents is to protect our kids. So it's like, okay, don't badmouth my ex, but protect my kids and we get torn. And so what we, what we need is sort of information so that those fear um, instincts, uh, we have actual information so that the fear doesn't take over. Um, and so that's why it's really important to recognize manipulation when we see it so that we don't get pulled into it. Um, and so when we're in conversations with our ex, what's important to know is one, why we're in that conversation so that anything else that enters the conversation is, n it, we don't entertain it. Um, so when we go into a conversation with our ex or soon to be ex, we have an anchor statement. So basically what that is, is why am I having this conversation? I'm having this conversation because I need to discuss our child schedule, which means that is the only container for the conversation and anything else that comes up is not to be discussed, but that gets really hard with someone with these manipulation tactics and we get pulled into a thousand different directions before you know it, instead of talking about your kid's schedule, you're talking about, 
the, you know, what happened six weeks ago when you had the fight about the schedule and the dance class and the gymnastics thing and soccer and what you did to their grandmother and right, and that's kind of what happens. And that's called hijacking. So you wanna be careful that when um, you have your purpose and your goal and somebody, and this could be anybody can do this, but your ex tries to hijack the conversation um, that you're aware of it and you pull it back. And the way that we do this is with like a broken record technique. Like, okay, I hear you and we can talk about that, but right now we're talking about the schedule. Okay, I hear you, but right now we're talking about the schedule. We can totally talk about that, but right now we're talking about the schedule. Um, and what that does is like keeps you contained and focused um, without being dismissive of whatever concerns your ex or co-parent might have. Um, and if your ex or co-parent wants to actually talk about whatever thousand things they have to talk about, they can happily initiate that conversation with you at another time. Um, and what that also does is you then, if your ex is unable to have the conversation about the schedule, okay, then the conversation doesn't happen and you exit and you move on to your next step. Mm -hmm. um, so one manipulation tactic, again, is that hijacking um, and the way you deal with any sort of manipulation tactic is you hold into your anchor. Um, another uh, manipulation tactic is the dismissive, dismissing your concerns, uh, sort of dealing with you like, oh, you overreact. Well, you're too sensitive. Well, you know how you get. Oh, that thing? I don't even remember what you're talking about. So sort of putting you in this consistent dynamic where your perception is not to be trusted because that's just how you are. Right. Um, and we deal with that by one, recognizing that it's really not about questioning our validity of our concerns. Um, we want to just know that if we have a concern, we are entitled to address it. How we address it or what the resolution is, is another story. But the fact that we have a concern means it's okay to have a conversation about it. Right. And we're not really getting into whether our reality or our ex's reality has more validity or not. That's not the conversation. Um, so that dismissing of our reality is a, is a red flag and a manipulation. Um, the third one would be an emotional hijacking. So the first one is that verbal hijacking of the conversation. And the third is an emotional one. So you just bring up something like about your child's schedule um, and let's say, hey, can we talk about the schedule? I think it should work this way. And your um, ex or the person you're talking to responds with some kind of like really big emotional um, overtaking of the conversation, really big anger, like, we're not going to talk about that. I already told you, right? So like something that really overtakes any ability to get to the resolution. It could be a lot of tears. Like, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't even deal with my own schedule. How could we do this? Or it might be something like, well, I guess if I'm not going to do that, then I'm the worst person in the whole world, right? Or I'm sorry that I can't. And whatever they're saying to get, it's like an emotional manipulation that takes over, but never actually allows any resolution of what you need to deal with. Um, it's a disarming. And so what you want to do is not get sucked into the reasons that they're responding that way. You need to just deal with the reality. And the reality is, is you still need a resolution. So you're going to exit out of that moment and come up with some other next step. And that's right. We, we would deal with that in another way. 
Um, and the last one is the justification for their behavior. So what that looks like is kind of similar to what we were talking about, the all or nothing, win or lose thinking with extreme behaviors and blame. So basically that if you are looking to talk about some issue and the response is that your ex's behavior um, was justified because of something you did, right? So you're kind of getting to a resolution, but not really because they're owning up to it, but they're owning up to it because they were entitled to do it anyway and they're not going to change what they're doing because they were entitled to do it because of something you did. And right. So it's a justification even in and of itself because you're deserving. Um, and so those are four kind of common manipulation things to like look out for and be wary of not internalizing as yeah. reason. Yeah, those are, those are absolutely huge. And thank you very much for sharing them as you're, as you're talking about them. I have in my head, I know people like that. <laughs> oh, and I just want to point out to that. So these are things that we, these are human. We all do them. Mm-hmm. And so I want to also be mindful not to like all of a sudden go around being like, oh my God, you know, this person's a, you know, uh, what we look for is the pattern. Um, and so not that everybody is, you know, a, has a high comfort, but that we see that this becomes the pattern of the dynamic within a relationship. Mm-hmm. And if this is kind of like the norm or what happens whenever conflict arises, that's your flag. Right. Because all of us have bad days. Right. We're all, we all have triggers. We all kind of do things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, Thank you very much. We are we are actually going to take a break right here. So come back and, and hear the rest of what Julie Beckerman has to let us know about um, how to refine, redefine your relationship through divorce and co-parenting. So we will be right back. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rhondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. And my guest today is Julie Beckerman, who helps individuals learn to navigate and redefine their relationships through the divorce and co-parenting process. And I really hope that you paid attention to the last four points that she just made about the common manipulation tactics. So, um, so Julie, what are, how do you tolerate, though, these really distressing emotions that I know they're just naturally going to come up because unfortunately divorce and co-parenting is a very high emotion kind of experience. And how do you deal with the distressing emotions? Um, So the first piece of like, so there's a lot of overwhelm um, when you're going through this initially. And um, you know, the thing that I tell people when going through overwhelm um, is the first thing with any emotion is to recognize that um, it's normal and we go through it, right? And so um, when we're going through uh, emotional overwhelm, the, the 
instinct is to fix the thing that is causing, that we think is causing the overwhelm, when really what we want to kind of do is address ourselves, not address the issue. Um, so I, I, the, the technique that we look at is what I call distress tolerance. Um, and distress tolerance is the idea that a lot of things in life um, are, are not fixable right away. And we want to put ourselves in a place where we can tolerate high levels of stress and distress just enough to be able to make decisions that don't uh, make what's going on harder on ourselves than they are. Um, so what we do is use tools like emotion management tools. Um, so especially through these times, especially when we're dealing um, with high conflict and divorce that can go on for a long time and take some time, we need to put ourselves in a position to be able to tolerate that and manage that and make really effective choices for ourselves, for our kids, for the situation that's not going to sort of consistently exacerbate it and make it harder on ourselves. Okay, so, but what if you're, like, your brain is being really logical and you know all these tools and you want to use the tools because you're just really going to get a handle on this, but your feelings and your emotions are not cooperating with your thoughts? Oh, it's so like the disjointed feelings, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I call that, like, having, like, a, a lack of harmony, right? So I think a lot of times we can be in lack of harmony, um, especially so, you know, you're ending a relationship. Sometimes we might have mixed feelings about, um, you know, our breaking up with our exes or ending the relationship. And acceptance is going to be a really huge piece. So sometimes we have to make decisions that we know um, is the right decision for, the, for what we're going through, but emotionally we're not there. Right. And, um, the most important thing that we want to do in those moments, right? Sometimes when our exes might do things, they have these extreme behaviors or um, that are affecting our kids. And we, we, don't, we don't want this. We don't want the conflict. We don't want to have to take these steps that make things um, that draw boundaries. You know, we want peace. We want harmony. And when we have to take these kind of strong positions, that, that's hard. Um, so what we have to do is recognize that when we know, but we don't feel it yet, that that's okay. It's okay to feel a little bit disjointed um, and take the necessary steps that we know we're taking um, in our best interest and know that how we're feeling um, might take a little more time to catch up, right? So we don't have to be in harmony while we're going through the healing because that disjointedness is part of the healing. Um, so it's this idea that like um, answers can be comforting, but we don't need answers to take the necessary steps towards the, the solutions we need to take to start moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, right. Just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's not the right steps to take. Mm -hmm. We don't have to want to be divorced. We don't have to want that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's not what's, what's right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of that disjointedness, right? Um, 
and just knowing that sometimes and knowing that that takes time is like, is okay. Just keep stepping into it and stepping into it. And like the healing is happening with each step. Uh, you mentioned that if, you know, that uh, you don't want the divorce, but it's what's right. What if it isn't? What if it, what if keeping the family together is really what's the best thing? Um, so that's a different question, but I think there's, so just going back to the first thing, I think when we know what's right, but it feels bad is a different thing, right? Then I think it's okay to keep moving and tolerating the emotion, the emotional discord. Mm -hmm. When we're uncertain about what's right, then we want to work through that, mm -hmm. right? Because right. sometimes, right, it's, there's a difference between our thoughts and our feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and if we're not certain about what's right, then we want to get underneath that, uh -huh. right? But mm -hmm. I think, too, the granularity between thoughts and our feelings and our actions and kind of getting clear on the distinction between those can help us get movement mm -hmm. when we can feel stuck if we're, if we're clumping them all together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's always a whole lot of messiness that goes along with like the, the child handoff or, um, or just anything really that has to do with uh, letting, you know, sending the child to a different household where they won't be in your home for however long period that has been set up for that. But what do you do about the sadness that your children are feeling? Because they, they really are powerless. It's oftentimes they get used as pawns and they don't have any control. They just kind of have to do whatever their parents decide. So how do you deal with their sadness? Yeah. So this kind of goes back to also like the, when we're in stress and distress and we, we look to fix the, the thing that's causing distress. And I think the same thing goes with our kids. So it's, um, parenting and connecting to the emotions, not um, trying to solve the problem and recognizing that our, we don't have to fix everything that makes our kids feel. You know, our kids can just feel and that's okay. You know, like divorce is sad and it's hard and that's okay. And there's a lot of things in life that are hard and sad, and that's okay. And when our kids feel sad because their parents are going through a divorce and they express that, that's really all we need to be addressing. Yeah, it's sad. Totally. Mm -hmm. And we can tell them that. I hear you. You're right. It is sad. It is hard. And we're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be okay. And then we're going to move on and then we'll laugh about something else. And then they'll be sad again another time and we'll connect and, you know, and it's sad for us too. It's not like it's not hard and we don't understand it, right? We get it because it's sad and it's hard for us too. And we can show them exactly how we're getting through it mm -hmm. right? and connect with them. We don't have to fix it because how are we going to fix it? We're not going to get married again. I mean, unless it's like, unless we decide it's the right thing, like you said, right. And then change it, but we don't want to promise them that. Right. And we don't want to kind of set that tone that sadness is something to fix. 
because that's unrealistic as a human experience. Right, right. It's um, really important that that the parent doesn't um, doesn't pick up addicting behaviors also because that's how they're they're masking their emotions and the kid sees that so yes. so what is the kid going to do the kid can't go you know grab the, a glass of wine and sit there and drink the whole bottle all night yes. so um so it's really important that the that the parent deal with their own emotional health because can they help the kid if they're not in a healthy place I mean, that's kind of the, right? That's what we always say. You can't really love unless you love yourself, right? You're only as strong as you're, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I think you can only give what you have to give. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're dealing with your own anger by stifling it, you know, you're going to stifle your kid's anger. Um, when your kid gets angry or throws a temp, you know, then it's going to kind of bring something up in you and you're going to shut it down. But the fact is, is, you know, divorce and separation is an angering experience. So when your kid is showing anger, it's natural. The question is, is what do you want your kid to do with that anger? Mm -hmm. Not, not have it just, you know, it's normal to have it. Just where do you want them to go with it? So we recognize the anger. We normalize it. Yeah, totally. I totally, you're angry. I get that. This is angering, but we don't break things in the house. That's not what we do with the anger, right? We don't start using substances. We don't start, you know, shoving food down or whatever, these addiction, right? What do we do with it? You know what? We go, we put a punching bag up and we punch it out or whatever you, you know, come up with for your thing or, you know, you write it out or we punch a pillow, you know, whatever kinds of things you come up with, but you have to help them redirect it in a way that's, okay in your home otherwise it will take over your home right and not dealing with the anger causes all sorts of horrible problems for everybody yes it will still take over your home even it's if you, will, yeah. you don't just deal, yes it has to be dealt with it will come out somewhere yeah exactly even if it's completely and absolutely repressed so some people learn that anger is a bad thing and they're not allowed to express it in their home and so they just they bury it. It goes, it goes deep and then it ends up being this continuous bubbling rage that shows up at the worst times anytime there's a stress in their life. So, yeah. So you really, you know, we may think like this is, this is a divorce thing and this is temporary. This is taking place right now. And how I deal with it is not going to have that much of an impact on my child. That is absolutely not true. No, it's absolutely not true. And in fact, you know, this is really like, I call it like phase two, but really it's a, it, it can be a gift because these are, because of what you're going through, the learning opportunities and the, you know, the quote unquote teachable moments are plentiful, you know, there's mm -hmm. so many opportunities for teachable moments that, you know, if, as they come up, your child is just going to have all of those moments to learn from and take with them. Right. Uh, so it can, so what do you do? When, what do you do when it's, um, when it's the other parents time to have the child and for some reason they just don't show up? Um, I think one, you gotta, it's like triage, right? Um, so first you have to make sure you're, you have what you need to make sure your kid is, taken care of 
And um, the second thing, right? So, you know, it's like anything, right? If you're, if you're supposed to be at work and your kid's supposed to be at school and now your kid's sick and okay, you got to figure that out, right? You're the parent, your kid's home now. So um, the second thing is you um, address your kid. You address your child's emotional um, response to what's happening. Um, you tell your child as much as they need to know in terms of how it's going to affect them, right? Like, so uh, I'm the mom, so dad's not able to make it. Why? Um, you know, no judgment, just an observation. They can't make it. They're whatever the reason without judgment. And whatever their response is, you connect to those emotions. What you want to avoid is getting into some kind of, you know, altercation or conflict with your ex about it. Um, it's not your job to parent your co-parent on how they're choosing to show up as mm -hmm. a parent. Mm -hmm. Yes, it impacts you. And this, I just want to back up. This also depends on the relationship you have with your ex. If you have a kind of more amiable relationship and you can you know, have these kinds of conversations, then obviously this doesn't apply to you. And you have the kinds of conversations that make sense for your relationship. If you have a high conflict relationship and this is kind of the pattern of your, what your ex does, then you know, you're, you're talking to a brick wall. You know, don't spend your energy trying to change what your ex does expend your energy connecting with your kid and giving your kid the tools to cope with their reality right which doesn't mean um trying to get rid of their bad feelings it means helping them through those feelings right. yeah because right. and not disparaging the behavior that their other parent is displaying mm -hmm. just giving them tools of dealing with the emotions as a result of right. the reality of what they're Right. Other parent is displaying. It just is what it is. So, um, Julie, what is the one most important thing you would want our listeners to know? So, the the key thing is to really focus on effective, not fair. Um, if you want to, um, if so this co-parenting, um, especially in a high conflict situation, is all about a mindset of what is effective for you, not about making it fair. If you shift to that mindset, you will have such a shift from the difference of pain versus suffering. Um, and that is because fair and unfair is you have two options. You're either going to, it's either going to be fair or it's going to be unfair. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. But effective is really the mindset of dealing with whatever the reality is to get you to whatever goal works for you. And that mindset is a game changer. Is it painful sometimes? Totally. But you are going to deal with whatever comes your way to get you to wherever you want to be. Fair has no place that is not going to work for you. So that's the one thing I think uh, I would love everybody to take away is that mindset shift. Thank you very much. That's really important. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, you uh, can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's at aspire to growth. 
Uh, and you can email me, Julie, at Aspire to Growth. Um, and that's the best way. Perfect. Thank you so much for being with us, Julie. So I really appreciate the, it's a really, it's a tough topic, but unfortunately it's getting to be more common things that we need. We just have to deal with this more often. So thank yeah. you very much for the tools that you have given our listeners. And I really appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.